the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined by my co-host, Mike Ionello, here on Feast Week, Turkey Week. Let's get things started just by throwing out something obvious. We're thankful for you, the listeners. You guys have been riding with us all season. Thankfully, we were able to give you some winners last week. We're going to try to get back to those winning ways here in Week 13. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. And some programming notes, the College Basketball Bets Bets episodes are back with gusto at this point in the season. Three Man Weave are here on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. Their weekly edition will be out later tonight. And finally, the flagship show with Colin and Stucky will be out tomorrow, probably about 2, 3 a.m. Eastern time tonight. If you're excited to uh, pop out of bed and listen to some college football takes right away, it's an earlier slate this week because of Thanksgiving. So we're going to make sure to get you all of that great college football betting knowledge early. All right, Ionello, we're going to hop into something that you came up with. I'm going to give you full credit on this. When we started the podcast, you're like, hey, this needs to be positive. This needs to be a celebration of the little guy. So you came up with a G5 hero segment. So I'll kick it to you here in week 13. Who is your week 12 G5 hero? I can be your hero, baby. You can take my I'm thankful for you. You've been a great Aww. co-host over the last years. Matt Mitchell, thankful for him. Excellent podcast producer. And I'm thankful for South Florida quarterback Byron Brown, a true fresh. This, this, by the way, we don't often have G5 heroes a week who lose, but this is a gambling podcast. True freshman making his first start after uh, Gary Bohannon and Katravis Marsh both got hurt. What did he do in his first start? Four total touchdowns and just four incompletions to give South Florida a thrilling 42 to 48 cover last Friday. Thank you for the cover. That was a great pick on your part, and really it boiled down to, hey, Tulsa shouldn't be favored by that much against anybody, which was correct. Speaking of the AAC, my hero, the entire AAC, because this year in G5 lands, you know, we had some buildup in the last five years. You know, is UCF going to go to the national title game? Are they going to get respect? Is Cincinnati going to break through that glass ceiling and finally punch a ticket for the little guys to the college football playoff? Very early on, it was clear that was not what the season was going to be about. And because of that, I think the, you know, the race for the New Year's Six has become more and more interesting, at least from where we sit. And the it, the center of the universe here is the AAC. You got UCF still in position, Cincinnati and Tulane. Now you have this Tulane-Cincinnati game here late in the season. Whoever wins that is going to punch a ticket to the AAC title game. They're probably going to play Central Florida. I'm just impressed with everything that's gone on, particularly on the Tulane side. 
We talked a little bit in the preseason about what it would take for a team to be a sleeper to hop past a Houston or an SMU, and they put it all together on both sides of the ball. They were dynamic last week. So I just really like the brand of football that's being played in, across the conference. It's been exciting. Whether you're betting on it or not, it's been a lot of fun, and my eyes will be glued to that Cincinnati game. I think you're going to touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you think at this point the winner of the AAC is definitely that New Year's Six Birth, or do you think UTSA or Coastal still have a shot if they win convincingly in the uh, Sun Belt or Conference USA title games? I would say, barring what would probably need to happen here, is we need to see an upset by, I believe South Florida is playing Central Florida. So you need to have a loss there. And then no, Central Florida plays Nate. Uh, yeah, no, it is South Florida. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it, it, at this point, if they were to take another loss and then they were to win somehow the AAC title game and get in with three, yes, I think it would require three losses from the AAC champ. And and also Boise's kind of hanging there in the weeds as well with three That's losses. It, it would take a lot. I would probably put the odds at you know less than 5% for Coastal to continue their dream run. Because also you have to keep in mind the human element of the playoff committee. They take into account, is Grace McCall going to play again? He probably is not. So if he was there, I think from a, a star factor perspective, they might give Coastal a chance. But at this point, I think it's AAC or bust. All right, we're going to flip now to our best bets here in week 13. I'm going to get us kick started with a play out of the Sun Belt. Southern Miss laying three at Louisiana Monroe. The Golden Eagles can be a difficult team to get up for emotionally as a better. You're not necessarily brimming with confidence when you slide that bet across the uh, across the window. But here's the deal. Their defense leads the nation in interception rate. They're 10th in sack rate. And, you know, it, it's an old cliche, play field position. They play it very well, fourth nationally in field position, and they can really stop the run. On the other side, Monroe's defense has an opportunity to make the Golden Eagles look dynamic. They're 127th in scoring D. You can kill them on the ground. They give it 4.8 yards per carry. That's all USM is going to do in this game. So 4.8 yards per carry, by the way, that's 111th nationally. Finally, USM nearly upset South Alabama last week. I think there's still that that team that is a really difficult out, even when their offense isn't humming. They were outgained by over 100 yards there, and they were right on the Jags' heel the whole way, and clearly they're the best team or the second-best team in the Sun Belt West. So I think that was a quality loss to borrow you know, some verbiage from March Madness and resume building and things of that nature. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the three here. I would play it all the way up to six and a half. I think uh, the Warhawks are kind of a dead team walking at this point with bowl eligibility out the window. What are your thoughts on USM here? Uh, I'm actually going to touch on this game a little bit later. Uh, we may be doubling down here. Fantastic. All right. How about your best bet? I'm sticking to Sunbelt too, and, and kind of a similar mindset to you, a Sunbelt team that is sitting at five and six and needs a win to go bowling, which I always like to target this last week. I'm going to lay the five and a half. It's been kind of jumping around uh, five and a half is what it was last night. I'm going to lay the five and a half with Louisiana against Texas state. Uh, Louisiana has reached the bowl in all four seasons under Billy Napier. They've won three straight bowl games. Uh, overall, they're seven and two in bowl games. That tells me that they take them seriously and that they care about them. Now they sit five and six, have a chance to keep their bowl streak alive in their first year under new head coach. The Raging Cajuns, they have taken a step back this year. I only have bet on them all season, but Texas State is one of the worst teams in the Sun Belt. I think this is probably the end of the Spavital family reunion. Do you agree with that? I think this is kind of, they've worn out their welcome a little bit. Yeah, I think it's time for uh, a regime change in San Marcos. Yeah, they're one of the worst offensive teams in the country. 
They are dead last in the Sun Belt in yards per play, 121st in the country. They can't pass the ball at all. Lane Hatcher has 19 turnover-worthy plays, ninth most in the country. They just have eight rushing touchdowns all season. Only four teams have fewer. You know, Calvin Hill what has been their top back, but he's been hurt for pretty much this whole year. And while Louisiana has struggled against the run, they have been pretty solid against the pass. And uh, Georgia Southern is the only team to throw for over 250 yards against them in the last eight games. Texas State is – they throw the ball at the 22nd highest rate in the country. So they're going to throw it, but they stink at it. They're just 123rd in success rate. Uh, Louisiana quarterbacks Ben Wooldridge and Chandler Fields have basically split reps the entire season. But now Wooldridge is out for the season, so it's going to be Chandler Fields going forward. He's been Levi Lewis's backup for three seasons. He's been in this program. He has 13 big-time throws, five turnover-worthy plays. He actually has the highest big-time throw rate in the Sun Belt. He just hasn't you know, played that much. But they finally have gotten their running game going, which was really the issue early on. They have over 200 yards on the ground in three of their last four games you know, before the Florida State game, which I'm pretty much just throwing out. Uh, Chris Smith is the lead guy, but they do rotate him with uh, Terrence Williams and Draylon Washington, who have both been pretty good. Last year, this Louisiana team was one of the most experienced teams in the entire country. They ranked 114th this season in returning production. That was a big reason we didn't like them. We kind of faded them almost the entire first half of the season. If you look at, though, as they've kind of grown this year, you can see they've gotten so much better as the season has gone on. They're a new coaching staff, a new roster. I think with a team full of underclassmen, it's a team I like to target that's going to still care about making a bowl game, having this postseason. They're all going to be back next year. So I think they're going to finish out this season strong. So I love the spot of them needing to win a bowl game against a pretty bad Texas State team. I think the narrative is spot on. If you want to successfully make money betting football, there's got to be a certain amount of time where you're, you're taking teams, you're holding your nose. You don't have any illusions that this is a great football team or a team that's just about to turn the corner. But they're certainly head and shoulders above Texas State, who's kind of, as I mentioned, a dead team walking, which is how I'll transition into our G5 high five round robin because there's some teams on the board here that i would love to fade and will do so with gusto the g5 high five should we high five high five we've done pretty well with this throughout the entire season can't say the same for our underdog parlay section so you're going to want to move a little bit closer to your audio speaker for this section I'm going to get started with a little bit of a cheat. They are uh, FBS independent. They're not necessarily part of the G5, but we're a big tent organization. We like to open our arms to the teams out there in the independent wilderness. BYU laying six and a half at Stanford. Talk about a team that just doesn't care. They're done. Stanford's done with this season. There's no hope for, oh, we're going to bring in a new coaching staff. Apparently David Shaw is just going to be able to coach there on the farm for as long as he wants. They've lost four straight by an average 26 points per game. You got to flush that thing down the toilet like your goldfish in fourth grade, man. That thing's dead and gone. They just lost to their arch rival, Cal. That was the last real opportunity to get up for a game all season. They lose by seven and a bit of a heartbreaker. BYU, on the other hand, they're closing strong. They upset Boise. They have a huge offensive showcase against Utah Tech. Jaron Hall went for 456 and five touchdowns in that game. And not much of a shocker because he's finally dealing with a full deck, a healthy receiving core, namely Puka Nakua. 
this all of a sudden becomes a different team than they were a month ago when he was constantly hurt with that high ankle sprain. They had issues on the perimeter. Who were they going to look to? Now that they're dealing at full strength, I think this BYU team is going to deal some huge body blows, some explosive plays against Stanford. And Stanford, 80th against the pass, 113th in interception rate, 82nd in sack rate. What does that translate to? They don't create any havoc. So on the other side, is there a backdoor cover opportunity whenever you see you know a, a spread like this close to the key number of seven? Stanford's been pretty awful on offense. They're 81st in success rate, 101st in explosiveness when they have the football. I don't see them getting it done here, even though it is in Palo Alto. I like BYU adding one more win to their total this year and trying to ride some solid momentum into bowl season. BYU, a team that for a good stretch of the season was in the top 25. I think now that we're dealing with the team that took the field to start the year when they absolutely crushed USF, I think that's the kind of brand of football we're going to see here at the end. So what are your thoughts on the Cougars here playing against a power five program that's really floundering? I agree. Stanford's, you know, they're garbage. I think they, they agree. They, I believe they've quit. And with BYU, the issue has been their defense. But like you said, the Stanford offense has just done nothing. I think it's so funny, by the way, that all the preseason draft type, and it's going to continue because people do what do draft type don't actually watch college football. All offseason, all you're going to hear about this upcoming draft is Will Levis, Tanner McKee, and Tyler Van Dyke, and all three of them have been absolute garbage this season. And I cannot wait to just be so angry listening to people who don't watch college football be like, "Oh, but look how tall Tanner McKee is! Look how good he looks in shorts!" Like, yeah, but he can't play football. Same with Levis. All right, I digress. Uh, for mine. I'm going back to the Sun Belt as well. I'm pretty much all Sun Belt this, this week. Uh, I'm taking Marshall, minus six, against Georgia State. I bet Marshall will win the Sun Belt before the year, and while that obviously is not going to happen, I still think this has been a pretty good season, all things considered. They're 7-4, and four, heading to a bowl game for the sixth straight year. Thunderbird beat Notre Dame in South Bend, which just looks even better now. They've won three games in a row, four of the last five. Starting quarterback Henry Columbia got hurt after six games. Redshirt freshman Cam Fancher had to take over. He struggled a little bit at first, but he has two touchdowns in each of the last two games. But the biggest news for the Thundering Herd came last week. Rashina Lee is back. He finally came back last year after leading the country in touchdowns uh, last season. And he kind of looked like his old self. He had 16 carries for 79 yards, averaged 4.9 yards per carry. But even without him, honestly, this offense has been dominant on the ground. Uh, Kalen LeBourne is averaging 120 yards per game this season, 14 scores, both lead the Sun Belt. Um, but honestly, the real star of this Marshall team has been its defense. You know, do you know Marshall's second in the entire country in defensive success rate? I did not know that. I, I had a feeling, obviously, that they were carrying them considering they couldn't throw the ball for the entire season. But that, that's still <laughs> impressive to be that high up on the board. Yeah, they're second in the whole country. They're second against the pass, seventh against the run. They've allowed just 4.4 <laughs> yards per play. And Georgia State has the fifth highest rush rate in the country and is just 98th in success rate. Darren Granger has been this team's leading rusher last year after both Greg and Williams averaged over 66 yards per game last year. They've both averaged under 63 this year, so both of them have just taken big steps back. The offense has just not looked right really all year, and they were another team I was super high on coming into the year, and they've just kind of looked like a mess all year. This Marshall defense is so good, and they're so deep at every single spot. Like, they don't really have a weakness. You know, Eli Neal, Charlie Gray, and Abraham uh, Boplan are three stud linebackers that just totally clogged the run. They got Stephen Gilmore, uh, Stephon Gilmore's little brother, and Micah Abraham are both lockdown corners. 
And then Owen Porter is just an absolute freak getting after the quarterback. He has 44 pressures and 10 sacks this season. This unit is second in the country at creating havoc. You know, Georgia State doesn't throw a lot, but when they do, their offensive line is not very good. Granger is going to be under pressure anytime he drops back. And Georgia State has had a really disappointing four and seven season. Their season's over, while Marshall still has the bowl game to look forward to. And I think they get the added boost of Ali returning. He's definitely going to want to keep fighting. So I think Marshall kind of just runs it up on him here at home, lane six. I think I think the Thunder Nerd pull away pretty good. Yeah, I, I like that play. That's another game that I'm going to watch a little bit of because I think we've been deprived the whole season. We wanted to see what Lamborghini, Laburn, and Ali would look like, you know, being a one-two punch. Clearly, Laburn was able to carry the load throughout the season, you know, going well over 1,000 yards rushing in his own right. So I think the recipes there, great defense, great running game. That should be enough against a Georgia State team that I believe last week gave up 42 points to James Madison. So they're more than happy to give up explosive plays left and right. This time of year, feast week, turkey week, whether it's the, you know, the Wednesday before big drinking holiday, make sure to mix in a glass of water at some point or Thanksgiving and the day after. Everyone just wants to treat themselves constantly. It's excess. It's excess. And when it comes to gambling, that usually translates to bet over on everything. Life's too short to bet the under, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, here I am to just give you a little, you know, something food for thought in this spot, which is mix in and under. You know, whether that's the equivalent of mixing in a salad, you know, during the Thanksgiving meal or something, just a little something that's good for you, taking your vitamins, so yeah. to speak. How about throw, under a little 40... carrots, throw a little carrots on your plate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, they can have a demi-glaze. They can still be tasty. How about this for a demi-glaze? Under 46 and a half, Troy, Arkansas State. Troy keeps showing up for me. They don't live up, they don't let up big plays. They're 12th in that department in the entire country in terms of limiting explosiveness. They're 16 or Pardon me. They're giving up 16.6 points per game in the entire season. That's seventh nationally. You just dropped a Sun Belt stat in terms of a, a top 10 defensive metric. There's another top 10 defensive metric. And their offense stinks. It, it still does. I mean, I, I know I took them uh, last week. They were able to cover the number. But they're 82nd in success rate. They're 90th in explosiveness. They're not particularly great on the, on the ground, although they had some success last week. And the thing about Arkansas State, They've been a whipping boy for us, dating all the way back to the preseason. Love to go after Butch Jones. This defense was supposed to be historically bad. They're not. They're actually pretty good against the run. And I think that what that's going to do is going to force some longer drives, going to force the the ball into, you know, into the air in terms of, you know, Troy's game plan. That's not great for them. So at the end of the day, I see this game being played potentially in the teens and Troy relying on their just incredible defense. And when you look at these two teams in conference play, unders have gone nine and five in the 14 games across these two programs. And Troy's Sunbelt unders have cashed by an average of 10.7 points per game, which is incredible because there's been some really low numbers in the high 30s, low 40s. So I'm going to go ahead with the under here. When I saw it in the mid 40s, I was like, I got to go ahead and grab that. Troy needs this game to secure their their trip to the Sunbelt championship game, winning by the tiebreaker over South Alabama. So not a look ahead spot, not something that they're going to get into, you know, a problem in terms of taking Arkansas state lightly. So I'll take under 46 and a half. I know it's not the sexiest pick here in the last week of the regular season, but I want to, I want to have some winners here for our audience. What do you think? I I absolutely love it. You know, I love this Troy team and it's their defense is just so good. And I agree with you where it's not a look ahead spot, but I also do think it's very much uh, just win and get a dodge spot where you know, they're going to be fine. Hey, we go out there and we know we can shut them down and we win, you know, 21-10. That's ball game. 
And I think they, they'll look to do that. Just, hey, let's just get the win and get to the Sun Belt title. And I am so excited to bet them in the Sun Belt Championship game. I don't even care what the line is. I'm, I'm betting them against Coastal. I don't care what it is. Could be minus 10. I'm laying it. <laughs> we are almost here with the round robin. We got one more each. Hit me with it. Yep. Uh, tease it. I'm doubling down. I'm taking Southern Miss. I had them written down. Uh, Southern Miss against UL Monroe. Monroe. Same thing. Five and six team needs a win to reach a bowl berth. First time in three years. First under Will Hall. You mentioned it. The Warhawks just aren't good at anything. If you look at their advanced metric page, it's just red everywhere. 95th in success rate on offense. 103rd on defense. Don't throw the ball well. Don't run the ball well. Don't defend the run well. Don't defend the pass well. The entire page is just red. The only, the only thing they're above average in is uh, their 38th in passing explosiveness. So shout out to them there. But Southern Miss, 19th in the country, success around defense. You mentioned it. Their defense has been terrific against the run, top 35 against the run and the pass. The offense isn't great, but I, I don't know what's going on with them with quarterback issues again. You know, Ty Keyes played just three games. Trey Lowe's played five. Uh, he's back now. He should be the starter. Jack Wilkie's played eight. They've had six players attempt to pass this season. After having 11 players attempt to pass last year, uh, Frank Gore, he continues to be the heart and soul of this team. So I just saw the miss just better. And I think they have the motivation. They need it. I don't think UL Monroe is going to be able to score or run, uh, move the ball very well. Our action, our power ratings make this six and a half on a neutral field. So no matter how much you give the Warhawks for home field advantage, which I don't think is much, I certainly like getting minus three. And I, like you said, I'd play us up to six, six and a half as well. Just given the motivation that that's clearly on the Golden Eagles side, uh, trying to reach a bowl game here. At no point am I going to open up the action app and say this is in hands just because, you know, Southern Miss is not going to be able to pull away. They're not going to score probably more than 28 points in this game. But I think if they do get into the, the upper 20s, I, I think it's a lock oh, given yeah. their defense and their brand of football. For my last play here in the G5 High Five, I'm taking a car driving up to podcast prison, going through security, walking in, who's on the other side of the window. It's Sean Lewis. I pick up the receiver. I put my hand on the glass. He puts his hand on the glass. No, I'm not here to bet on you, pal. I'm here to fade you one last time here in the 2020 season. Give me Buffalo minus four. The Bulls need this win to get to bowl eligibility because they got snowed out of a game against Akron. That would have been their chance to get to win number six. They get a de facto bye week from the Superstorm, so they're able to have some extra time to prepare against a Kent State offense that can move the football. In Mac play, though, Kent is dead last in total defense, giving up 436.4 yards per game. Buffalo in conference play, averaging 33 points per game. They kill teams in time of possession. They are first in the Mac. Kent is dead last. This is going to be a game that they control the tempo. They control the game flow. And Buffalo's run defense is the key in this. Marquez Cooper is all that the Golden Flashes have left at this point in terms of an offensive engine. Buffalo 15th in defensive success rate against the run nationally. I don't need to see any more. I think they're going to get enough from their offense. I think that the bye week strategically is going to have them fired up. Every ounce of motivation on the table, they need this win to get to six and five with that game off of their schedule. So I'm going to take the Bulls here, minus four against Kent, a team that has been maddening the entire season. But I don't think you're going to see uh, a virtuoso performance from Sean Lewis in the final game of the season with nothing to play for. They can't go bowling. So I'm going to go with the Bulls. Is this a stay away game for you for any reason? Or are you going to also come in here and just slam the bet button with me? 
already bet it. I bet it. I think it opened at like two, two and a half. So I actually have it under a field goal. Um, so I already bet it. I think this was actually maybe the first bet I played all week. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Speaking of teams running out of time, we're running out of time to hit one of these Moneyline underdog parlays. It's week 13. Don't worry, though. I have a, a big juicy side in mind. So if we do hit this, we'll probably wash for the entire season. But why don't you just dip your toe in, get the audience a little bit nodding and trying to feel the good vibes before I come in with my, let me check my notes here, my plus 450 Moneyline oh. underdog. All right, go ahead. Look, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you said it. You have yet to hit a single one of these all season. And this is your last chance. Not to brag, I've hit four of my last five. And I'd like a little support here, if you would. You keep throwing out these half-court shots. I'm taking another layup because sometimes you just got to keep seeing the ball go in. I'm taking Tulane, plus 115, biggest game of the week. Biggest game, well, other than, you know, the game, probably. But biggest game of the G5 season. Tulane against Cincinnati, Friday night. Winner goes to the host the AAC championship. And I think that's more of the motive. I mean, obviously they both want to reach the championship, but this would be Tulane's first ever trip to the American championship game. It hasn't won a conference championship since winning the conference USA championship in 1998 under Tommy Bowden. And if you uh, look uh, excuse at- me, Tommy Bowden and also Tommy Bowden. Rich Rod as the offensive coordinator one of the one of my favorite teams of my childhood, Sean King at quarterback. They essentially were running Rich Rod's offense in its infancy at that point, up and down the field. Fantastic team. Love that Green Wave squad. Yeah. So this is their this is the best team they've had since then. And if you look at kind of the blueprint of how both of these teams have lost in the past, UCF was able to beat Tulane by running it down their throat. They had 336 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. Plumley torched them for 176 yards and two scores. Well, Cincinnati can't run the ball at all. They're 118th in the country in rushing success. They've managed over 100 yards against Temple because everyone does, but they averaged just 52 yards rushing in the last three games before that. Well, last week, Ben Bryant hurt his foot, and he didn't play in the whole second half. So 
a Cincinnati team that can't run the ball well will either have a hobbled Ben Bryant or a freshman in Evan Prater making his first start. And while, yes, he's highly touted, I think there's a reason he hasn't played all season, despite Ben Bryant not looking, you know, like a world beater. And it's his first start in the biggest game of the year. So I kind of like those odds either way against a very, very good two-lane defense. And while Cincinnati has good defensive numbers like we'd expect, and they're a good defense, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not, but they've definitely padded their stats against the really bad teams. You know, UCF put up 505 yards against them. They ran all over them for 250 yards. ECU put up 454, also ran the ball for over five yards per carry. And the area the Bearcats have struggled the most is defending explosiveness. Well, Tulane has human explosive play in Tajay Spears. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. Uh, Michael Pratt is also super sneaky athletic. He's got nine rushing touchdowns to go along with 20 passing scores, just four picks. The Tulane and then the Green Wave don't give up big plays at all. They're one of the best in the country at lim- limiting explosiveness. They're really good at defending finishing drives. So, for me, I think this is a true, true coin flip game. I think Tulane is better. I think on I got a neutral field. I would make Tulane like minus one. So what's it? Two and a half, three at Cincinnati. I still think that's a good enough price that I'll take Tulane plus fifteen. I think they win this game. I mean, the Green Wave coming off what was it, fifty nine points last week? So they couldn't be feeling better about their offense. And I understand that this is kind of uncharted territory for them this late in the season, being able to punch a ticket to a conference championship game. But I I don't want to get too emotionally involved here because fickle to me can take a team that could be better and then kind of play down to his competition a little bit. He gets so conservative at times because if he does go with Prater, what he needs to do is kind of allow him to use his athleticism to really put the defense in difficult positions in terms of the RPO game. He's not going to do that. I think he'll get conservative. Like we saw with Plumley. Like we saw Plumley do it well. Yep. So for that reason, I, I like the two-lane play. Um I, I'm hopeful that this isn't just a two-lane team that beat up on everyone that they could beat. And then when they finally got those opportunities against the AAC heavyweights, they're a little bit outclassed. I hope that you're right. But I can't be too judgmental because as I mentioned, my money line contribution this week is plus four fifty. I'm going to throw out some stats. So the team that's prohibitively favored here gave up 40 points to a program that is not going bowling last week. Their defense is 131st nationally in giving up explosive plays. Of course, I am referring to James Madison as they are playing Coastal Carolina. Coastal plus 450. You haven't had a number this good on the shots in years under Jamie Chadwell. I think he's a great coach. He had an extra week to prepare. I understand that they played two quarterbacks in their last game, but that cancellation against UVA gives them that added time to cook up a really good game plan in this spot and to keep their season, which they already have nine wins. Let's get to 10 wins. They scored 26 points, truly manufacturing points against Southern Miss. We hit on Southern Miss for like half of this podcast this week. They have a very good defense. I think they get it done in this spot against the James Madison team that has been up and down. They've been really good against crappy teams, and they've kind of imploded defensively against teams with a pulse. I think Coastal runs for over 200 yards in this game. I think they'll be in it for four quarters. Plus 450, I think, is way out of whack for what it should be. If if this was under 3-1, to one, probably would have followed your lead and gone with a, a short 
money line underdog, but I'm swinging for the fences here because I think this is absolute crazy disrespect for a coastal team that has been the class of the Sun Belt, at least the Sun Belt East for years now. What are your thoughts on the shots at plus 450? Yeah, I would say I like it a little more after last week because I actually laid the big number with James Madison. I think it was seven and a half maybe last week. And like you said, for a team that coming into it had the best run defense in the country, you know, from a success rate standpoint, they let Georgia State, who we just talked about, has been bad. They let them run all over them. I was concerned with the amount of, I mean, Georgia State should have won that game. Like they they absolutely torched them on the ground. So I'm that, that did concern me for this James Madison team that supposedly a stud defense did not, as like you said, and against the better teams, they've kind of fallen apart. So I don't hate it. All right, Ionella, you pair those two together, plus 1050 over at BetMGM. So you're going to want to run over and grab that before all this money comes in to, to tail us, obviously, throughout this season. But I got to say, I, I feel good about this one. I felt good about UConn last week. They were on the doorstep against Army three, two or three times and came away with three points in the game where they ran up and down the field. They had no problem running between the 20s against Army. That was very frustrating. All right, let me run through our entire slate. Our best bets, Ionello likes Louisiana, minus five and a half against Texas State. I am on Southern Miss, laying three at Louisiana Monroe. For our round robin, Ionello's throwing in Marshall, minus six. He's also doubling down on Southern Miss, minus three. For my round robin additions, BYU, minus six and a half, playing at the farm against Stanford. Troy, Arkansas State, under 46 and a half. And Buffalo, minus four against Kent, hoping to get to bowl eligibility with their sixth win of the season. And our money line underdog parlay, Coastal Carolina, plus 450, as well as Tulane, plus 110 for a juicy plus 1050 payout on the parlay. All right, any final thoughts as we close out week 13, cutting room floor picks, bonus picks? It's been a profitable bonus section for us. Yeah, I have two. I like Western Kentucky laying seven against Florida Atlantic. Uh, Western Kentucky still has an outside shot to reach the Conference USA title game for a rematch if North Texas were to slip up against Rice. I don't think they will, but if they were, Western Kentucky still at least has something to play for. Florida Atlantic's pass defense is garbage, so I think the Hilltoppers win that one. And then I'll be honest, I listened to Stucky and Collins' uh, weekly recap yesterday, and we had a call from Minor Nation saying to lay it or to take the points plus 17 and a half against UTSA because they're already locked into the Conference USA title game and they're not going to care. And UTEP won the game last year, and now they're getting 17 and a half. And I loved everything he said. I'm, if you give me a gambling tip, I'm going to take it 100 out of 100 times because I can't afford to be wrong. And I loved it. So I'm going to take UTEP plus the points because that card, he convinced me. I'll be honest. He convinced me. I love Minor Nation. I love Meet Me. Caller was convincing. I'll give you that. It's been my distinct pleasure to fill in for Stucky on the Maction uh, live show throughout the week. Um, this is my third week hosting and I'm undefeated in terms of my picks. So I'm feeling myself a little bit. <laughs> Not and a big maybe- deal. Not a big deal. I think it's interesting. It's probably, if you had to trace back where this bet comes from for me, it's the fact that we have the World Cup here at this point. And I love looking through the exotics on the World Cup. And one that gets placed a lot is that double result. So what you're you're betting is who's winning at halftime after 45 minutes, who wins the match. And you can, you know, mix and match. You can have a team going wire to wire. You can have teams tied. You can, you know, flip it from one team giving up the lead in the second half. I'm going to go with a Maction play. If you're listening to this on Tuesday afternoon, there's still time. 
Bowling Green to lead at halftime against Ohio, and then Ohio to win the game at plus 580. And I'm going to throw out the reasons why. I actually think there's a pretty strong argument that can be made. Let's talk about Ohio quarterback Curtis Rourke. The Maple Missile is banged up. It looks like he's 50-50. If he plays, he's going to be in a knee brace. It's going to limit how dynamic they are offensively because he's the guy who makes it happen. If he doesn't play, they're going with C.J. Harris, who is a three-star backup quarterback making his first college start. He's definitely an added rushing element. He added 38 yards in relief of Rourke last week. But in terms of game plan, I think they'll go pretty conservative. They'll just give it to Bangura and try to run, 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 run which I think will give the Falcons a chance to grab an early lead. But here's why I really like this bet. The coaching staffs in this game clearly go in two different directions when they get to the locker room at halftime. Ohio in the second half this season, averaging 17 points per game. That's 18th nationally. Bowling Green in the second half, 115th nationally at less than nine points per game in the final 30 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead with the Bobs there to have a come from behind victory at almost six to one. You can check it out. I think I saw it at plus 575 over at BetMGM. So that's my exotic I'm throwing out here in week 13. Is that a little too rich for your blood or is that the right kind of crazy? Everything about matching is the right kind. If you, if you said this about any other conference, I would have just tuned you out. Let's get, this is max. This is the last matching. Let's get crazy. Max yourself. All right, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus banner all through our Week 13 picks. A reminder to our audience that there's all kinds of programming notes for your NFL content this week over on the Action Network podcast. All of it is going to be hitting your podcast feed by 2 a.m. Wednesday morning, so be sure to check in for that podcast wonderfulness with Stucky and Raybon there. Raybon in particular is having an incredible year. They're making graphic design cards, throwing it up on social media. Got to celebrate that guy. He's been absolutely on fire. As for our live team, Colin, Stucky, and Brett McMurphy, they'll be back for the live show, BBOC, on Saturday, breaking down the final college football regular season Saturday of the entire season, helping you stay in the black. And that's it. I mean, we tried to give you as much as we could. We tried to front load the Feast Week menu. Hopefully you can get, listen to all of that before you're forced into a corner talking to that aunt or you know father-in-law that you just can't avoid during the holiday season. So make sure to have a little anecdotal information. You can pepper in hey. some success rate. And make sure to tell your uncles and aunts to download the podcast and subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, like it, and listen to the G5 Deep Dive. As Stucky says, tell a friend, tell an enemy could be a lot of enemies during the holiday season so make sure to throw that out there to anyone who will listen appreciate our audience so much we're thankful for you have a great turkey day and enjoy college football here in week 13.